Let's start today with the most important issue facing the Timberwolves, Minnesota sports, maybe American sports. Holy cow. Alex Rodriguez wearing a Green Bay Packer hat as owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. People are very offended. It, I, that was the one thing that he could do worse than play for the Yankees and beat the Twins in the playoffs was Instagram himself with the Green Bay Packers hat on. So uh, he stepped in it a little bit there. I think he went on FSN or Bally Sports last night during the game and kind of did a mea culpa and said, no, I'm not a Packer fan, but... Um, yeah, well, welcome to the welcome to the Twin Cities, Alex. Kind of looked like a Packer fan. He he looked like he was having a good time at Lambeau Field. Yeah. for a playoff game, wearing a Packer hat with his had some company there. His company also wearing a Green Bay Packer. Maybe hat. maybe they were responsible for it, and if so, I couldn't blame him for that. So, I think he's going to be a very interesting owner. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be he's going to be out there for sure. It's uh you know he's a different. I mean, he was at the game last night, and when he is in the building, you feel it. Yeah. Like, and there are people that don't like him, and there are people that do like him, but the way that he carries himself is like, this cat is at another level from everyone else who is around him, and maybe that'll work for, uh, maybe that's exactly what the Timberwolves need. So, um, but yeah, he, you are, it's not, no longer going to be the case of small town, small market, um, no one's paying attention to us. Like he's going to will the Timberwolves into the public discourse, whether it's for good things or bad things. He's had a really good career since Doug McAvich <laughs> caught a few passes from him in high it's, school. It's Put come around right a little bit. I think he may have made the right decision to go to baseball, but he might have. You never know. He's John Krasinski. This is the John Krasinski Show. This is part of TalkNorth.com. Steve Terry is to John's left. If you were here with us at Tuttle's, and yes, we are doing the show live at Tuttle's. Eat. Bowl play, Tuttles and Hopkins, you know the joint. We are sponsored uh, by many uh, great sponsors, but here at Tuttles, we are sponsored by Tin Cup Whiskey. They have the uh, the fishing game over here. They have shots. They have drink specials. Uh, and we have a couple of fine representatives from Tin Cup Whiskey here to help you out with everything. Uh, so take advantage of that. Steve Terry from TSR Injury Law. But more importantly, kind of a, we call you a part owner. You're the, you're the part owner of the Timberwolves who doesn't wear a Packer hat around. Steve Terry's here with us If I well. was a part owner, I would talk to my other part owner and tell him to stop being a moron. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think he's going to listen to me. What do you think that relationship's like, by the way? Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez. Well, I, I, I think I told the story before, but we, they had a deal at a restaurant in YZ, and we were all, like, courtside people were there, whatever, and... The atmosphere did change in the room. I had no idea. I was just talking to somebody, and something happened. It was very strange. And then A-Rod came through the back, and it just was like some sort of energy. So when you say that, it's it's no joke. Now, on the flip side, Mark Laurie does not have that. Right. And I've but been on, probably, I, I think he wants it really bad. It, yes. it could be. I, I don't know the guy. I, I have talked to him, whatever. But, like, I've been on the, the Timberwolves jet, you know, going back and forth. And Mark Laurie is on there running around as if he's a fan. Mm-hmm. A-Rod is not a fan. A-Rod has a presence. And people cater to him. Mark Laurie's running around, like, you know, getting, you know, uh, selfies. So it's a, it's a little bit of a, of a weird relationship. But... It's, it works for them. I mean, they have lots of ventures, and they seem yeah. to be doing okay. Yeah. Uh, so. But I just – the I mean, you said – so A-Rod's not a fan of the Packers. 
then why is he wearing a hat? Like, like, if you're not a fan, why are you wearing a hat? I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. And how can you be related to something in Minnesota and wear a, anything Packers? Like, that is complete ignorance or just not giving you-know-what. And either way, that's not, to me, a good answer. It just seems it, it's a miscalculation. And then I'm watching the game. And he was interviewed by the lady, Katie Storm. Yep. Right, and, he, and she kind of asked him, but it was, you know, she's not gonna nail him. Not she's just like, him. ah, right. <laughs> and he was like, oh yeah, it's no big deal. And it's like, do you still do not understand? Yeah. Now you need to reach out to them and talk to his people. Oh, I told them. Yeah, yeah. It, but maybe his people didn't tell him. I don't know. I mean, you, you, I might, you, should, him, you should investigate that. I, I didn't tell him previous to that because I didn't know like he was gonna show up on, in the pack. <laughs> I'd be on TV, and it's just like with the pack I'm like. Oh my! Oh no! And uh, but I I do think that that is part of and and maybe the biggest symbol yet that they have learning to do here. Like he had no idea of the enmity that Minnesota sports fans in general have for the Packers. Um, and and I guarantee that he maybe have thought, oh, what's the big deal? You know, I wore a Packer uh, hat at a Packer game. What's the big? No, no, no. Like. That is as like low as you can go. What he should have done is busted town. out the Vikings hat or a wolf's or hat. Or a wolf's hat would yep. make sense. But but if you want big, yes, you wear yeah Vikings right in, in the belly of the beast. In the belly of the beast, they go, "How you like me now?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever. But yeah, so I I just do think, I just think that he had zero idea of that rivalry of anything that went into it, and he just has a lot to learn as an outsider for this place. And so I'm sure that he will pick up on that now and go forward because he is very image conscious. Like, and some people think it's disingenuous. Some people, uh, you know, kind of look down on that part of it, but there's no question that he cares about what image he puts out there. And so that's why he's been to so many games and he's trying to bend over backwards to say, Oh, we love Minnesota. And I've got, great history in Minnesota and all this stuff. He's really trying to endear himself. So he stepped in it big time with the Packer hat. But, um, but I think that's just part of the learning process. He'll figure that out and he'll move forward. But like to the larger point of, I think it's, you know, the relationship itself is a calculated kind of scenario. Like Mark Laurie is like this, you know, hyper entrepreneur um, kind of came up from nowhere. No one really knows who he is. And I think that he understands to, to walk in these circles, this rarefied air that you do when you're an owner of a sports team. Uh, to, if you have some heavyweight with you, that's going to go a long ways. He does not relate to players because he just has no idea. He's never walked in their shoes. So I think he sees in, in Alex someone who covers up a blind spot that he has. And so... That's what the partnership is about is, you know, he helps Alex with the business, entrepreneur, startup, kind of investing sort of things and that mindset. And then Alex brings the athlete uh, perspective and the, and the uh, how you, you know, what players want in an owner, like how you, how you kind of set up an organization to cater to them and, and, and all of those things. And so that's the whole method behind the madness. We'll see if it works out or not, but I think that's, it's not, a, it's not a, a fluke or a coincidence that Mark has paired with someone like him.
I think the you kind of buried the lead, though. I mean, the main thing we have to learn from this debacle is that now A-Rod knows, because he saw it, that the Packers suck. Yeah. <laughs> it, firsthand. Like, yep, he got it right there. He saw it. He paid money. He stayed out in the cold for right. that. He saw it. Like, he that's what I don't it. understand. Like, if you are a dyed-in-the-wool Packer fan, and, like, this is just your team, go for it. Okay, whatever, do. But, like, if you're just kind of showing up, and maybe maybe the galley is with was a big Packer fan. Maybe there's other things that were going on that that led him to there. But if you just like you could not pay me enough to sit outside at Lambeau Field in zero degrees and watch a Packers 49ers game, whether it was for the a- NFC title or whatever it was, no freaking way. But he went out and did it. So so when you reach out to A-Rod, do you reach out to A-Rod, or do you have your people reach out to his people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's all sorts of red tape that yeah, has to be on so. both sides. Oh, that yeah, has to right. be navigated. Is that no what you question. call him, A-Rod? Oh, well, I mean, is he like Rubio, where he has a room in your place? Or? No, no, definitely. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on, now, that, that, okay. that's, that's another level. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's just, like, let's not insult anyone here by, by going that way. But uh, he's Alex, so that's what everyone says who works with him. He's Alex. He's not okay. A-Rod. Oh. So. Um, A-Rod's the player. A-Rod was the former athlete. A-Rod is the guy who, the steroids and, and, and the scandals Not and Alex. those things. And Alex is the businessman and gotcha. the father and, like, I'm moving forward and I'm moving past. So okay. That's at least that, that's what I'm told. And you're Steven. I'm From Steven. You are Steven. <laughs> that's what my mother calls me when I'm in trouble. Steven! <laughs> With the N on there. <laughs> Once again, thanks to Tuttles for having us, Tuttles and Hopkins. Again, check out the Tin Cup Whiskey activities going on here. Uh, they do have Tin Cup Whiskey specials. Thanks to our other sponsors, uh, Head Flyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, Steve is a partner in, Memorial Blood Center, Manscaped. Yes, John will do a Manscaped read later. We all can't wait. Cannot wait. And thank you to All Energy Solar. Uh, best way to listen to the network or the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. Thank you to our producer, Brandon Morton, who is, uh, really had to deal with an illness last week. He's better. He's back with us, uh, and we're grateful for his work. You said something. And we have a lot of Timberwolf stuff to get to, so I feel almost bad we putting it off. But you said something really interesting. We as sports writers, and Steve as a behind-the-scenes guy, we know what it means to have presence. That presence you're talking about with Alex Rodriguez, it is one of the most interesting things about our job is sometimes you walk into a room of professional athletes and it's like, oh, there's Joe and there's Bill. Sometimes you walk into a, a, a room of professional athletes and there's somebody like that who just drains the energy. I mean, he's like, you know, the lights are dimmer when he walks past because he's sucking the energy out of the room. Alex does have that, whether you like him or hate him. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, whether you do like him or hate him, there is no disputing from a pure visibility standpoint, like, the level that he reached. Because I've been in a room with Michael Jordan. I've been in a room, you know, with, like, Tom Brady. Like, that's the level of notoriety or fame or 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 presence that he has and he is absolutely on that level the way that he just moves is different i mean he's dated j-lo like he has been an mvp he's won a championship he's also new york yeah and he's also been through the absolute gutter and the ringer and and has you know taken all the body blows and all the criticism as well and you just see that he kind of moves through a room like he owns the place and that he is kind of more important 
or bigger than anyone in there, and he's almost always right. And so, unless Steve's there, unless Steve's there, yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, and so, yeah, that's I I do think that even the players like Anthony Edwards, we always have fun with. He didn't really know who Alex Rodriguez, and and all, even the players um, who don't know him from his playing days, can, you see how they react when he's around. Like they, they 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 he's one of us. Like okay, like I get it. That's happened, and so. Um, for a, an organization that is always looked past, that is always dismissed or minimized, to have someone like that that has just that that star quality about him, um, and again, like it will bring scrutiny for people who hate him, and will just you know that will bring an entirely different element as well. But there is no question that it it raises the Q rating of an organization that forever has been largely anonymous. And so um, what's the impact of that over the long haul? I'm not sure, but the energy is different when he's around. And that I do think, as we've talked about on this podcast, I think the energy needed to change around this franchise. I like Glenn Taylor. I have a lot of respect for what he's done. I know he's made some a lot of major mistakes as well, but it's just like you put him and Glenn together, like you could not be further away from what Glenn Taylor is than to have Alex Rodriguez. And I think that's probably a good thing. They, this, this organization needed, needed a shock to the system. And certainly Alex Rodriguez is, pro- provides that every time he, he, he's in the arena. We will take live questions. It's just a handheld mic. Just come up, grab it, ask your question. Do we have a giveaway tonight? Tonight, Brandon, I guess no giveaway other than... Uh, Free beer. I'll buy a beer for anyone who... who, who John Krasinski buying a beer for the live questions. Uh, it's quite a deal. Thank you, John. Uh, let's get to the big picture here. The Wolves won 23 games last season. They are at 23 victories this season. Uh, their offense good. has been great <laughs> lately. Their defense has been pretty good all year. Uh, so where are we with this team right now? Let's start with John. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, it feels like they're starting to put things together in a way. Um, I think in the early part of the season when they were playing well, some of it was like, it was just on pure hustle. Like they were just running around, you know, defensively trying to disrupt and probably catching some people off guard. Um, since they have come through sort of their COVID uh, outbreak that took all of the five starters, took most of their, their best players out for a little while, now you see the team starting to play with a little more precision, a little more kind of you know, flow is like what Chris Finch says. And so they're number one in the league in offense since January 3rd, since they got all their guys back. Their defense has slipped just a little bit, but it's still in the upper half of the league. And so you're seeing a team that A, plays really hard, but that is starting to figure things out as well and playing together. D'Angelo Russell is playing great. Yeah. Um, Jalen Noel who was not playing hardly at all before all the COVID has now like a weapon off the bench and really has changed how everything looks for them when they go to that second unit. And so they've started to discover things about themselves, even when they went through that little rough patch that I think is starting to pay dividends. Now Malik Beasley got a lot more shots during that period. He's starting to, to, to be a little more consistent there. Torian Prince is, is really playing well after not really being in the rotation and, and really struggling with his shot. So a lot of that is coming together, and they feel like they need to start going on a run here now that they are relatively healthy. The schedule is still a little tough for the next four or five games, but after that, it really softens. So going into the All-Star break, there's a real opportunity for them 
to really kind of start to make some hay here, but they're a good team with legitimate um, aspirations of like the number six seed and not being in the playing tournament. That's not pie in the sky. That's not far-fetched. That is absolutely doable if they kind of continue what's going on here. If you're new to this show, Steve plays the role of the intelligent insider fan. So give us the, uh, your perspective on where they are right now. It's fun to be a fan. They are a lot of fun. I was talking to somebody about when Tibbs was here and they made the playoffs, and I was like, that was the most miserable, miserable time. People it was are like, miserable. oh, you guys are losers. Yes. You know, this is why you're losers. I'm yes. like, no, you honestly have no idea how miserable. No one was happy. Nope. Everybody hated each other. Tibbs was a disaster, and it just, you know, it wasn't built for success. Uh, this is a completely different vibe, and I think it starts with the coach. And I think that, you know, uh, he who shall not be named, you know, set a foundation that actually is pretty incredible yeah um I, I mean just think about where we started to where we are now i guarantee you if you took a poll that there are wolves fans that would say they would not trade Jalen noel for simmons straight up yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. I mean, yeah. like like think about before the season what would you have given for Simmons? Like, we were like, oh, my God. You'd be like, Bando, 20 first round picks. Noel, yes. a couple Everything. firsts. Yes. Anything except, Cat. I mean, D-Lo, throw it all in there. Now, like, you literally would be like, um... No, why, we don't <laughs> need him. Where would he fit in the lineup? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't even have any time for yeah. him. I mean, just... And we're, we're joking, but it's legit. Like, Vando and, and, and Noel have changed... The, the tenor of the season with what they've been able to do. And I mean, they are playing really well and it's just, it's just a completely different situation. Yeah. You, I mean, you, it's an easy team to like, like it's a, it's a team that plays really hard. That does have good chemistry. Like you said, like, you know, I took so much grief when during that Tibbs year where every several times I would write, look, this is not sustainable. Like something has to, be addressed here or else it's going to blow up and oh you know you just want everyone to be buddies and that's not how it works no no I just knew that you could watch them play and they hated each other and and this team is together now I don't know what the ceiling is on this team compared to that team at least right now but to see a team come together and play as hard as they do for each other with a coach that is that just has a great vibe about him like it's uh it's 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 been fun to watch absolutely by the way, I have uh, my interview with Chris Finch is on uh, my show, Blocked and Muted at TalkNorth.com. If you want to check out that, we didn't really talk specific stuff, just tried to get him to know. So introduce our next guest. Yes, Judy. I'm Judy, and I have a question. Um, the, the team seems to have great chemistry and lots of talent. Wouldn't want to mess that all up with a trade, but we need a defensive rebounder to help, especially in the playoffs. Don't want Ben Simmons at this time as we'd have to give up too much. So my question is, I need an idea of who we might target and who we might trade for that person. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I do think that um, as the team has had more success, the likelihood of a major trade has gone down, 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 down. Now, it doesn't mean that they think that they're a finished product and, okay, this is a team that's going to go to the Western Conference Finals and as currently constructed. I think that there is a, a belief inside the organization that um, we, they do need to get better. But with how well the starting five has played together, 
sort of the, the urgency, the sense of urgency to bring in Ben Simmons, Miles Turner, someone like that, I think is not as high. And so I do think that the more likely scenario going into the trade deadline is it's probably more bench help, like just to give them more depth. Like you said, I think they need size off the bench, somebody to come in and, and get a rebound when they need it, block a few shots, those sorts of things. They also need, they could use more shooting, they could use more playmaking, like another playmaker off of the bench. And so when you look at um, who might they give up, certainly I think Malik Beasley is available. Um, I think that you know the, the Jake Laymans of the world are available that are out of the rotation. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of, of, of bites at the, at, at the line when you drop him into the water. But um, I could see if there was a perfect scenario, um, you, could, you could look at maybe it's Nas Reed and somebody. You know, maybe it's, it's something like that. Or maybe it's, maybe it's just Beasley and draft picks. You know, maybe something like that to go out and get maybe Harrison Barnes. Maybe um, there, there's all sorts of, you know, kind of guys that are not going to, when they make that trade, are not going to make you run to the box office and say, I want season tickets for next year. But someone that can make this team more well-rounded and, and just give them a little more balance from the starters to the bench and allow them to really match up with different teams like they might have to in the playoffs. If they run into a big team in the front line uh, in the playoffs, they're in a little bit of trouble. Like that's hard uh, to overcome for them with their lack of size. So I think it's going to be some tweaking um, at the deadline and not a major kind of blockbuster trade. But, um, but it, I also don't think that they're in a position where they're just going to stand pat and just roll with this team. They, they do want to make a few changes to kind of give them a better chance. What uh, position does Harrison Barnes play? Like, small small power, power forward. Okay, small, I mean, you know. so, because he seems to be like a professional. Yes. He's having a great year. Very experienced. Very experienced come in, and, and you know, and it's Sacramento, so they're stupid. So maybe, right. you know, you can get, you get him for some, nothing. Exactly. But um, the question, like, but who's then not going to get mis- minutes? Like, if you, you'd probably have to trade Beasley. Right. But, yeah, I mean, so you go sit, be, you go sit Nas Noel? Reed, probably. Nas, Nas Reed. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think Nas, if they can bring in a big, now, Barnes is not a big. Right, because so is Nas backing up Nas Cat? Nas is backup Cat. But, like, the more that they can, they can use versatility in terms of um, putting a guy like, uh, like Barnes at the four, you could play, there's going to be small ball lineups, you could go Barnes at the five. They're not going to rebound that well that way um but if if they were to bring in someone like that then maybe maybe it's torian prince that's that's oh that's cut back a little bit but he didn't miss a shot did. last night you can't bench him we yeah. didn't we have unsustainable. no minutes unsustainable Every, right? it's just yeah. i mean we have no minutes now yeah like i i just do think that they need and and i think beasley's minutes will eventually be cut if they're not um if he's not traded um or if they if they bring someone else in you know, um, and, and I think they, I, I do think that the thing with Nas is he can be really good for you against a, per, a certain type of matchup. If you, if you have a smaller front line that you're playing against, he can go out there and be quick and, and, and score some buckets and, and do some really good things. He played really well last night against Brooklyn, um, and especially in the second quarter. But I think that they need another, like, not Greg Monroe, but, but, a, but a rich man's Greg Monroe to come in and just, like, eat up space and do it. Who is that? I don't know. Maybe it's Rashawn Holmes. Like he's more of a five for, for the, for the Kings. I really like him. Um, that's a guy that I would look at maybe, you know, Robin Lopez in Orlando. 
He's, I don't know how much he has left in the tank, but another super experienced, big-bodied, really good vet guy that would come in and, 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 sink, and sink in. That, those are the kinds of guys that I'm looking at for this, for this team. Anthony Edwards, a little scare last night. Any, uh, any indication how he's doing? Yeah, he bumped knees. He was in a lot of pain when he went off of the, off the court, but everyone that I talked to after the game, on the record, off the record, said that he's going to be fine. We'll see what his injury status is listed for tomorrow. I think he'll be a little sore. But so far, no one believes that that was anything very serious. So, you know, for a team that has a long history of bad luck with injuries, I mean, everyone held their breath when he, when he kind of went down. But I think everyone was walking out last night very confident that he's going to be okay. On a bigger picture with Ant, have you noticed that he seems to – He's letting the game come to him a little bit more. Yeah. Like, I mean, it seems like there's sometimes it's in the second quarter, and he, you know, and he's just like Cat only had three points, you know, into the fourth quarter, and then he ended up kind of, you know, getting his twenty. But it just seems like with Ant that he's allowing it to come to him as opposed to just taking the crazy threes. Yeah. And by the way, is his shot on the three? I know it's going in at a higher rate, so it obviously looks better, but it just looks really easy. Yes, it's a really easy shot for him. Yeah, the crazy thing last night, the stat came out. Um, he's the fastest player ever in the history of the league to get to 300 made threes. And part of that is volume, right? He's shooting a lot of threes. But for a guy who was kind of come out of the draft as he can't shoot, like that's, the, that's one of the big problems. He has been ultra productive there. And I think you're right in terms of as you have seen him adjust to the, the, length, or the, the length of the shot that's different from college, he has – just become a lot more comfortable. It comes out of his hand free and easy. It's got good arc, and it looks like it's going in more often than not. I think that the key for him and the key for Russell as well is shot selection. Like That's the thing that I think people were frustrated with Edwards earlier on in the season. Either it was a pull-up three when there was no, nobody to rebound um, and, and just kind of breaking the flow of the offense, or just settling way too much for jumpers and not going to the basket. He's found a way to just like take what the defense gives him a lot better. Did you see last night with D'Lo? He had a fast break and he was coming down and I was just like, he's going to jack the three. Mm -hmm. And he pulled it back out, someone, and then he dropped the dime and it was like a layup or a slam but for Vando or somebody. But And I think the commentators were like, this is the difference. 100%. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it was like, okay. Yes. Where, you know, that's leadership. 100%. This is not just jacking up trying to get it. And he's another one. I mean, his, you know, his game has, has really gone to the next level. Yeah. And, and almost as wor worthy of Wiggins. I mean, almost. <laughs> shot, shot selection with him, but also, like, his passing has been incredible. I mean, running the pick and roll with, with Vando, with Nas Reed, a little bit with more with Towns now. He is, like, Finch said it the other day, and it was a great comment. Uh, D'Angelo's throwing people open. So it's like a quarterback who, even when your guy is covered, he's still throwing a pass to a place where only your receiver can get it. And that is what D'Angelo is doing to create a lot more easy offense for this team in the half court. Because start of the season, they were very stagnant in the half court. It was my turn, your turn, your turn. And a lot of ISO and nothing was, the ball was sticking and it wasn't really going. But Russell has come out of the COVID, his COVID stint, and he said it last night. He said, I watched that team and the way they moved the ball when I was out. And I kind of understood a little bit more about how 
a certain a shot too early in the clock for me can short circuit someone else's groove. And so he is, I think, a lot more cognizant of being a quarterback and not just, you know, a scorer, a flamethrower. And, oh, by the way, he's shooting a lot better percentage since he came back as well. It's like 44% from three um, and, and I think 51% from, from the field. And prior to that, he was 38% from the field, 33% from three. So the fact that he's taking better shots and making them, like, all of a sudden, like, this team with him, with Ant, with Beasley making shots, with Noel getting into the lane for those crafty little buckets that he has, that's what the team was missing earlier in the season offensively. They were getting good looks. They weren't knocking them down. And now those shots are starting to fall, and now it looks really impressive. It's kind of interesting. You know, I don't know if you have anything in your life, but, like, when you're, when you're in the, the woods – and, you know, and you're just, you're trying to survive. And then something happens and now you get to take some time off, take a breath. And it's just interesting to people who had COVID and they're watching the games. I mean, there, there was the Instagrams with Ant, you know, and he's like watching it, yelling at the TV with his dog or whatever. And, and it's just it, it, to learn from that and see the big picture, the flow, and then, and then actually do something about it is, is a good maturity. Yeah, I think that... Um what the, I think what they needed to see, too, was that there is a team around them that isn't a bunch of trash, you know, that they don't have to necessarily, like, they were, all three of them were in the 20s last night, and they kind of carried the load, but I do think that they watched that Boston game where the Wolves won, and even the Utah game where they were severely shorthanded but stayed in it, they're like, man, Jalen Noel's freaking good. Like, if I trust him, like, that... Vando has figured out a way to not be an offensive liability to score, go into the rim, to get some of those putbacks and things. He can catch the ball a little bit now, a little bit. And so, um, so there's that. There's um, Malik Beasley has now found a rhythm. Torian Prince, after shooting 28% through the first part of the season, is now knocking down shots with regularity. And so I think that they feel the big three – feel less on their shoulders and say, okay, this is how we can play and trust these guys to not mess anything up. And that just like allows them to play and shoot and pass and defend with a lot more freedom as well. And I think that makes a huge difference. Uh, what's the deal with the team meeting 10 games in and, and, uh, and everyone needs to know that everyone learned their place and, and then they won, I think, six out of eight or something. I mean, you know, there seems to be some truth to that. So what is yeah. your stealth reporting uh, like to tell yeah. us about that? So uh, a little bit on that. Um, Carl Anthony Towns said last night after the game that uh, at 10 games into the season, we had a team meeting, everyone defined their roles. I hate to like tell him he's wrong, but he's slightly wrong. So he said at 10 games, so everyone looked at the schedule, 10 games in, they were three and seven. They had just lost to Golden State in Golden State. It didn't happen after that game um, because that game they played very well. It just like, uh, they just couldn't get, get down there. And then Wiggins played well, your guy, he, he kind of came through. Steph, my uh, boy, you know, and, and so, but they were happy coming out of that game with the effort with the energy, with all of that stuff. And I think, I, I think it happened actually after the second home loss to the Clippers. When they played them back-to-back at home, they lost the second game. That is when Pat Bev 
came into the locker room and went all around the room, every single player, what's your role on this team? What's your role on this team? What's your role on this team? And they all defined it. So what did Jalen Noel say 12 games into the season? Because it's very different now. Or Vando. Vando is damn near Dennis Rodman running right. around. Yeah. So we're 12 games in. Tell me your role. So, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Ex- like, if I'm Jalen Noel in that spot, I'm like, put me in the damn game. Like, because right. he just wasn't even Let me in. show you my role. Yeah, let me show you. Like, I can be combo guard, come in and make buckets, and also run the offense. Um, Vando was probably, I think Vando from every one that I know, he really has an identity of himself. Like, he's like, I'm the dirty work guy. Like, I will get every offensive rebound. I will create second shots, and I will score in transition and, um, and in garbage points. I think really what happened, where it was aimed at is, Carl, what's your role? Ant, what's your role? Delo, what are you going to do? Like, how to kind of get these guys who were sort of like tripping over each other to like figure out that you actually have complementary skills that can work together if you do things the right way. And if it's not just, okay, give me the ball, now it's my turn to score. And I think that's kind of the method behind what Pat Bev was trying to do and just really give everyone a clear lane to go through. And I think that made a big difference. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, my name is Jake. Hey, I'm Jake. Uh, mainly here for the free beer giveaway. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Appreciate Afterward, it. I got you. Uh, but my question here is, I've noticed, you know, I love our defense this year. We're super scrappy. I mean, we do a good job at, like, getting out to the shooters and, you know, next man getting over. And I'm kind of wondering, I've noticed we've struggled after all that, uh, then getting the, the rebound. We've struggled rebounding-wise. I'm wondering if you think it's more of a scheme thing or strictly personnel and then kind of two-part question, if it is a personnel and we bring in a big man, how would that maybe throw things off? Because I don't want to take away minutes from like Vando, who's, right. you know, we have all those guys flying out there. Is it kind of a trade-off? You just sort of live with it? Or I don't know. Do you think we need to bring in a big to solve that issue? Yeah, I think two things there. Thanks, First Jake. of all, um, there's, it, it can be kind of a little bit of both because um, there is some scheme-related issues with their rebounding because – their whole defensive success is based on scramble, 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 cover for each other, use your youth and your young legs to like disrupt maybe more so than your defensive prowess individually as a defender. Um, and so I think sometimes they will rotate so quickly and they will chase after guys and they will just get out of position eventually to good teams that can move the ball. And, and do that way, they just get out of position. And so then you'll see Cat far away from the basket. Maybe you'll see Vando out on the perimeter. And um, they will, uh, then, they, then when the shot comes off the rim, it's a, it's a small that has to rebound. And that's where they get, they get in trouble. So some of that is the scheme where they're just going to have to live with that a little bit. But I do think that if they bring in another rugged rebounding type of a player, it doesn't necessarily have to take away from all of Vando's minutes, but in those games where they're fla- facing really big, really tough front lines, let's throw, let's go bigger. They've tried to go it with Cat and Nas, and it just isn't super effective. Nas isn't a guy who's going to grab you 10 rebounds in 25, in 25 minutes. So if they can get someone else with a little more size that can kind of clog the paint and box out and get people off, just for like the... The certain games, not for every game, but the certain games where they're just getting hammered on the glass. They could have used it last night against Brooklyn a little bit. 
um, then I think that would help. But I still think you can do that and in general stay true to what you've done with your starting five, with what Vando's brought to the table, with the way that, that they're, they're, they're scrambling a little bit. Just You need help in pockets of time, not throughout the game that way. Yes, sir. Long-time caller, first-time listener. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, I wish was more aggressive. Some things you can't change about people and the way they play. Anthony Edwards, however, is one of the most potentially egotistical people in a good way because he believes in his skill. Of people that you've all watched and seen over the years that had that it factor, that confidence, and put up or shut up, where do you think he ranks and where do you think this goes? Because he clearly has it, and once he's hitting the three and he knows certain areas of his game can improve, I mean, the sky's the limit, right? Yeah. No, I, th- what I do think, you think. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, Thank you. He has, like, star quality written all over his face. Like, uh, he, he, there are things in his game that he has to figure out and that he has to improve upon. But when you talk about, we talked about presence earlier with Alex Rodriguez. Like, he has a presence about him that, like, he's got this. Like, and sometimes it's a little overconfident. Sometimes he gets, you know, he'll make one shot in a row, and the next time down the floor, it's a heat check. Like, I've, I've got this. And sometimes that's a little bit too, too quick, and he's got to read the game a little bit more. But um, you can see that as he goes along, as he matures, as he figures out the game a little bit more, he has sort of that intangible it factor that can make him the guy that everyone follows. Um, I think that Carl is a little bit of a different personality that way. I think that he sometimes gets a bad rap, but clearly so far in his, in his progression, he isn't quite there in that leadership, you know, getting people to follow him type of a quality and is so authentic and is so just kind of oozing charisma and bravado that it's like everyone around him wants to be right with him into the fire. And so I do think that as he hones his skill set to match that bravado, yeah, I mean, it would not shock me if three, four years from now, he's in the MVP conversation. Like, I think he has that kind of a, of a skill set and personality that could elevate an entire franchise. We do need to take care of the business of the business very quickly here. Let's thank Head Flyer Brewing. Hey, everyone. Just uh, wanted to tell you a little bit more about Head Flyer Brewing, one of our newest sponsors here at Talk North. And they have a couple of uh, big things coming up. On Saturday, January 29th, Head Flyer has a Pints and Pokes event. They'll have fire pits set up with beer poking along with special releases, including our new Apple Fire Seltzer Shots to give your beer a boost. That's from noon to 8 p.m. on Saturday, January 29th at the Tap Room in Northeast Minneapolis, just off 35W and Hennepin. Very accessible, easy to get to. The other thing they have coming up is a new 16-ounce can release of their vanilla bean porter. This taproom favorite is available in cans later this week for a limited time. This smooth porter features a deep chocolate hue and the sweet flavor of Madagascar vanilla beans. Available in liquor stores throughout 
the metro area. So definitely check that out. Again, it's Headflyer Brewing. You can find them on social media, headflyerbrewing.com, on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, but or otherwise just stop in, get yourself a growler. We also want to thank the, the people who do, do such important work at Memorial Blood Center. Local Memorial Blood Centers is looking for folks who want to help. It takes a generous type of person to give an hour out of their day to donate a pint of blood. But in the spirit of giving, it also saves lives. In this era, when our supply chains are backed up, don't let blood be one of the things that we're running out of. Give blood and help out the folks in your community. Plus, all donors with Memorial Blood Centers have a chance to win streaming entertainment gifts. Visit mbc.org to schedule or call 1-888-448. Thanks to All Energy Solar. As a home improvement project, solar energy can start paying for itself the moment the system is powered up. It can pay back 100% of the installation costs within eight years. Plus, a system from All Energy Solar can even pay back more than 300% of its cost over its lifetime. Check out 2022 solar incentives and learn how you can make the switch at allenergysolar.com. And of course, the moment you've been waiting for, John Krasinski's infamous... Famous and infamous, both. Manscaped at. Earmuffs, Judy, earmuffs. Uh, Judy, you might need to take a walk. <laughs> Roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let a wild pube wreck you. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. This V-Day, it's time to join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming with our exclusive offer, Go to manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC for 20% off and free shipping. The holidays went by so quickly. Did you remember to take care of your package with the best tools for the job? The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just the thing every guy needs in their life to make each and every day a little more special. The number one product in the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. And get this, the trimmer's advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate balls. It even has a 4,000K LED spotlight so you can shave anywhere your heart desires. Did I mention that it's waterproof too? This package also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts, their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs to keep your boys stored comfortably. Manscaped created their products for a night just like Valentine's Day and will make your V-Day date say, wow, Great set of balls you have there. Go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC. That's manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ATHLETIC. We have audible laughter. There we go. So That's John, John hit out of the park. That was fantastic. Yes, please. Follow that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blushing a little bit. Um, hey, uh, my name is Greg. Quick question. So a lot of people talk about a big three. Yeah. I'm a long-suffering Timberwolves fan, and I thought it was used kind of loosely when we talked about D'Angelo, Carl, and Anthony Edwards, but it feels a little bit legitimate to me. So how would you compare this big three to others, right, like in Phoenix? Mm -hmm. And do you see them actually becoming something legitimate towards, uh, you know, NBA championships a long way away, but, you know, something really competitive? Yeah, no, it's, it's a Good great question. question. Thank you. Absolutely. I think that um, the, the, always the question was, right, do they have a big two or a big three? Is it just Cat and Edwards, or does Russell belong in that conversation? And uh, earlier on in his tenure with the Timberwolves, he did not belong in that conversation. He was not playing well enough. He was not playing hard enough. He was hurt all the time. And you would say, 
man, that's he is getting uh, way too much money for the production and value that he's bringing. This season has been different. Uh, you have to give him a lot of credit. He's playing better defense. He is passing the ball incredibly well. He is shooting the ball much better over the last month than he was earlier in the season. When he is on the floor, the Timberwolves win games at a much higher rate than when he's off the floor. So he is impacting winning. So I do think that there is more of an argument for him to belong in a big three conversation. Are they on the level of KD, Irving, and Harden? No. Like, are they to, um, even to like Phoenix with Chris Paul, who is super experienced, and, and Devin Booker, who's been deep in the playoffs and things like that? Not quite yet, but from a skill set standpoint and the way that they are finding a way to work together, I do think that you look at the way that they're going down the stretch in the West and the high-end talent that they have now belongs in the conversation against the teams that they're going up against, Dallas. Um, you know, they're going to go up against Portland. They're going to have a, ho- a lot more talent than them tomorrow night. They're going to have a talent surplus at the top end in a lot more occasions than they don't. And so what does that mean long-term? I'm not sure. Is this a championship core? That would seem like maybe a little bit of a stretch. But I do think it has caused us to reevaluate just how good they can be with this, with this construction. And I do think that they can be a team that can not only get into the playoffs, but maybe can put a scare into someone, depending on the matchup in the first round. Back when um, Zach Levine was here, yeah, and I, it was a summer deal, and I was sitting next to somebody who was high up, whatever, and, and he point blank said that Zach was the alpha. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Cat. It, it, was, it was Zach, and that flips idea was he was going to be the alpha and then it'd be cat and kind of go from there and i think that anytime this comes up and you're like who's the batman and who's the robin whoever's the robin is like like that's a bad thing i mean robin is still a superhero right Right. (laughs) you know but and cat i think the meeting you know the way that you see the year last night's a great example three points in the four you know and then he's in the fourth quarter then he kind of takes over and he didn't panic and I think that as he he knows that he's good and he you know he is doing some things in the NBA that no other big man's doing yes. like like uh, this is what I say like when, calling him Robin is it doesn't need to be a negative but right. like but his personality is Robin-like, and I think that he's growing into that, and he doesn't try to be who he's not going to be, and then you have Ant, who this gentleman was saying, different personality, and probably has way too much confidence, you know, I mean, he's amazing, but, you know, he's, he he is cocky, you know, he he has a crazy uh, superhero confidence, but I think that the sooner that that, everything has to have a pecking order, and you can kind of see how the pecking order is coming in, it's Ant, it's Cat, it's D'Lo, and then you got, I mean, Noel is probably actually above Ant. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, right I, there, yeah. See, big three, I think it's big four, but that's a different issue. But yeah. anyway, I think that that's interesting how it, how it filters yeah, out. Yeah, and it, it's just going to be a matter of, like, how it develops, how quickly it develops, because there is zero question that right now, Cat is by far the best player on the Not team. Not even a question. It, he is the most talented and the most consistent, and... And he brings it. Now, last night he didn't play well for three quarters, but then he busted out in the fourth. But in general, the, the nights where he really struggles are few and far between from an offensive standpoint. He is so, so talented. And so I think that if it becomes clear, if Ant makes a leap, like 
there's like John Morant year two to year three. Like there's a lot of times a, a leap between year two and year three for the really good stars. Luca did it. Um, a lot of a lot of guys have done it that way. If that does happen, and it happens naturally and organically, and it's clear that okay, like Anne is ready for this, I do think that Cat will be happy to share that spotlight because one thing that has become clear to Cat over the last seven years is that one player is not enough. Like in this Western Conference, in this NBA, like there are no teams that are going to be carried by one player and certainly not the Timberwolves. And so he needs help. And I think he is ready to share that responsibility with someone like Ant, who is likable, who gets it, who, who is deferential to Cat in some ways as and well. And is also good. And is also really, he really good. good. Yes. I mean, we, all, we can go back. Jimmy wanted to take this team by brute force. Like, Ant wants to... Ant came in from the time he was a rookie and it said, this is Cat's and Delo's team. Like, I'm here to help. Well, eventually, it could get to a point where, all right, Ant, it's your time. He will take that, but I can see him doing it in a much more diplomatic way um, and, and in a way that everybody is cool with. And so I think that's going to be the key to this whole thing going forward is how that kind of evolves over time. Yes, sir. Um, do you think that we will see kind of Malik Beasley, how he was last year, kind of at his peak at all? And if so, is it like, how do we get there? Is it putting him in the starting lineup? Is it more minutes? I don't have an answer to that. I'll let the expert answer that. But what I do want to say is this. When Malik is hitting shots. It changes everything. It's, it's a whole other ball game. Yep. And that's because it, it hasn't been, he's not been hitting shots. Yes. So we have, that's why you have Noel and all these other people coming up. But when he did start hitting shots again, it was like... Holy the sun cow. came. It was just, it's a whole different game, no doubt. Yeah. And and he like no mistake. Make no mistake. He was one of the best shooters in the league last year. Like no question about it. And so he was not his normal self these first couple of months of the season. And we've talked about it. And I think that shockingly, a summer in jail maybe set him back a little bit. Um, also, I do think that there are there are players in this league who will tell you, doesn't matter what role I have, I just want to win. Like, I'm just here to do what I can. Sometimes that's not their real truth. Like, some players just really like to hear their name announced before the game. Like, they like to be in that starting lineup. They like the status of it. They want to feel like they're a major part of the operation. That's what Malik wanted when he came from Denver. He was out of the rotation. And he thought, this is my opportunity he, on he a team. He was telling people, yeah. I am a starter. Yes. I'm a starter. He absolutely I, mean, I heard him say it. that. Yes. Yeah. He, absolutely, he absolutely believed it. And he played well in that role. But so then to ask him to now move out of that and into uh, a, a reserve role, I think that's been a huge adjustment for him. And I think that he sometimes struggles with being locked in and being ready to go when he comes off the bench versus when he's all hyped up right at the start of a game and gets to go in and just start firing. So the one thing we have seen, I want to say the last six, eight games, the shot is starting to come and starting to, he, he was really good in New Orleans. Um, there's a couple other games where starting to knock down multiple threes and look a little bit closer. So I think we are getting closer to that. But I also do think that it could be that 
in this role that they're asking him, he may not just be as good as he was as a starter. And so if that is the case, if you make that, that determination, well, then that's all the more reason to really entertain trade options as well. And um, there are always going to be teams that are going to be enamored with the shooting a little bit and, and, and want, add, want to add shooting and see if a change of, uh, of venue is a good thing for him. Um, but if, if they can get him on track and get him rolling, that's great, and that would really be a big impact for them down the stretch. If not, if they just think that there are some things infrastructurally that will not change, which I don't expect him to have, you know, just be put into the starting lineup barring a major injury, um, it, this might just kind of be more of who he is on this team, and you might have to just kind of work with that a little bit and hope that Jalen Noel's emergence mitigate, mitigates that a little bit. The main thing I heard from you is that some people like to be the center of attention and have their name on things like the John Krasinski show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what I heard. Yeah, well, yeah, what would I know about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, nothing, nothing like that for me. I'm very humble, very just under the radar. Speaking of having your name in the title, <laughs> tell me about TSR Injury Law. Yeah. Yeah, that T. Mr. Billboard. Yeah, exactly. There's six of them that I drove by here with the, uh, Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's getting, always TSR getting accused time, of being that. egocentric by Steve Terry, yeah. that's... That's something. I mean, that kind of makes you like an A-Rod figure. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. When I'll I walked it. In, When I walked in here, you could feel the change <laughs> in the atmosphere. It's presence. It was, it was mainly people leaving, but that, <laughs> a little bit different. No, you know, I had somebody ask me, oh, it's snowy. It must be busy. We're always busy. Hey, people drive slower in the snow. But it's icy, and then in the summer they drive like a bat out of hell, and they don't pay attention. And then alcohol has to do—you know—I know we're in a bar, but I'm just being honest. Like, you know, you got to be careful. In fact, when I was tweeting, I'm like, "Hey, you know, designated driver." I mean, you just got to think about it. And it, there's no shortage of just bad drivers. So I just say, be careful, do the best you can. And and but you know, despite your best efforts, if somebody hits you, then you know the number six one two TSR time, and one of us will answer. I mean, it literally goes to my cell phone. Steve's been sponsoring this program since pretty much the, the beginning. Yeah. We appreciate the loyalty. We appreciate the contributions. We also appreciate being at Tuttle's. It's Tuttle'sBowling.com is the website. It's called Tuttle's Eat, Bowl, Play. It is a really cool bowling alley attached to a really cool sports bar. Lots of big screens, good food, lots of space. You can sit at the bar. You can sit at a table. You can come out to the John Krasinski show and uh, get to see John Krasinski, which is the ultimate bonus. Uh, I wanted to get... I actually had like 40 topics we're not going to get to tonight just because this team is so interesting right now. But when you were talking about the way the offense has opened up and how, you know, now Edwards is shooting better, Russell's shooting better, Vanderbilt has found his role. It, it feels like to me one of the things that has happened is this team has gotten so much better understanding how to cut in yes. Finch's system that you're either getting – people running wide open to the rim, or you're getting defenses scrambling to cover this cutter, which is leaving open shots. Absolutely. It's, it's a great observation. There is just more movement in the offense, um, whether it is uh, cutting to the basket off the weak side. Vanderbilt's really good at that. Pick and roll and getting the guys going downhill. Towns is doing more of that. We saw Ant and Towns had a big pick and roll bucket down the stretch in the fourth quarter against the Nets to, um, to kind of you know, really hold them off. Or, um, you know, just kind of having shooters locate in the right spots, getting to the corners off of dribble penetration, and being someone, having someone there and ready to knock down those shots is big. Um, you will see them making the extra pass, the hockey assist a little bit more, too. And so uh, they went through a little period here 
um, a few uh, like last week or a, a week and a half ago, where I think it was the the Houston Houston or OKC OKC Houston Golden State, like they were over thirty assists per game, um, you know, at, at a regular rate, and that is just what Finch has wanted. Like he hasn't wanted to be a coach that calls a lot of plays that really kind of has a huge structure to things and makes his players kind of think through things like robots. He wants them to kind of play off of each other, be more instinctual, be more reactive. And I just do think that as the season has gone along and as they have played more together, they're just figuring that stuff out a little bit more. They're reading each other a little bit better. And so that's kind of bringing about a lot of the success in addition to actually hitting the wide open shots that they were missing earlier in the year. Everybody, both local and national, is on the, the Finch train. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's legit. And for the right reasons. And, yep. you know, past coaches, I mean, we've had a few names, but it's a whole lot of like, oh, that's Minnesota. You know, we don't need to, you know, names that rhyme with Anders. But, you know, it's one of these things where it's like now you have a legitimate coach that's setting the tone, and it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. The other thing, just, you know, sitting in the, the seats that we sit in, we're very lucky, is that... Thibodeau had to call every play, screaming the whole time. He's a big fella. He's a better door than a window. You can't see the game. Finch sits down to yes. the left. It's awesome. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, my God, you can actually see the game. So I just want to, I want to, if he listens, I know he listens. I just want to say thank you <laughs> for actually sitting down and trusting your players, you know, and letting them uh, But in flow. all seriousness, though, like, that's a vibe. Yeah. Like, that is they don't a want to be vibe. afraid to make a mistake. Yes. It's like, just let them go. You are seeing it with the Knicks right now. Like, Tibbs is starting to squeeze the steering wheel very tightly. <laughs> and Julius Randle is not playing well. And, you know, R.J. Bear is up and down. Like, all these things are happening. And he just thinks that if I yell louder, that will change everything. And it doesn't. And what generally happens in those situations is players play with more on edge and tighter. Finch is one who sits back, who lets them go. And even in those times where it gets to a 6-0 and 8-0 run for the other team sometimes, he's not calling a timeout immediately. I'm letting you play through it. I'm trusting you to figure this out. And sometimes that bites him a little bit, but... I think the, the greater good is that he is instilling in them a belief in them, and they are playing with a little bit more relaxed atmosphere, which is what they need. And also because he's a little bit calmer when he does get pissed. Yes. There's a difference. Yeah. You can't tell if Tibbs is pissed because he's always pissed. Right. It's always screaming and yelling and yep. all the words that he shouldn't be saying. Yeah. So that's the biggest difference. When he gets, in, when he gets into halftime... And, and reads them the riot act, and it's only happened like twice this season, they perk up. And they're like, oh, man, like we really must have messed up if we've gotten him to rise to that. So, um, you know, it's a, big, it's a big thing for him, and it's a big thing because the other thing that is absolutely abundantly clear with the players is they know he knows what he's talking about. And there is a trust there that if I do what he says, I'm going to have success. And there were... Many doubts with Tibbs. There were doubts with Ryan. There were doubts with Sam Mitchell. There were doubts with a lot of these guys that Finch, they believe in him that he, what he is telling me will work. 
And that's a powerful thing for a coach. It is. Let's get final thoughts from the gentlemen. Thank you to everyone who came out today. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, our sales executive, Karen Cleary. Uh, we have a great lineup here. John does the John Krasinski show. He also contributes to the Viking Update show. We have uh, Cheryl Reeve on our network, which we are very proud of, with Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, Jeff Diamond, the former Vikings general manager, John Millay. We've added Mike Grimm, voice of the Gophers, to do Gopher show for us. Uh, we've also added On the Bench. It's a, a kind of a Canadian variety show that and we're getting the podcast version of the show. It's a lot of fun. Tons of good outdoor content, some variety shows. Uh, everything's at talknorth.com, or you can subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Let's start with a final thought from Steve. I think that as Wolves fans, we need to be real careful what we wish for. And I think as soon as the season started, we all we cared about was Simmons. And then we got onto the dude from the Pacers, Miles Turner. And, you know, and it's always the shiny object and whatever. But I think that... I'm not saying the Wolves are winning the championship, but I think that they actually have something that is brewing, and I think that the whole is bigger than the parts. And we have a player that's averaging six points and nine boards that I think is key, and that's Vando. And I think that if you just look at his statistics, you know, you're in New York and you're like, well, whatever, like we'll just throw him into some trade or something. He is so much more valuable than what his numbers are. And I think you talked about like, he's getting the boards and then he gets another pass and then he gets another shot. And it's always, it seems like when he hits it out, they hit the three. Yeah. He's not getting credit for that three, but there is something about his energy, his desire, his hustle. He's on the floor. It's just, it's, it's the intangibles. And I think that we have enough of these studs like cat and ant and D'Lo, and they're going to get their points that the, you know, I don't want to say glue guy cause that's so, but that is kind of what it is. But I think he's more than that. And I just think that we as fans need to be, we need to appreciate them and, and just be a little leery of just throwing him in some trade, you know, to make numbers work. I think that uh, he is very important to the starting five. Yeah, and I, I would just say that I think it's important for Wolves fans right now to, like, just enjoy this team as it's playing because, A, you've been through just a ridiculous amount of dysfunction and embarrassment and all of those things. But also this is sort of like the little honeymoon phase. Like there's low expectations. And so they're 23 and 23 right now. And like, it feels like everything's come like together. First place. And, here, <laughs> right, and here you go. Right. But like, right. there's a joy to like the very early stages of a team that is ascending that is never going to be the same. Like even like, let's say, they're the seventh seed this year, and they go in the playoffs, and they, they, they play well. They, they lose in the first round. Um, they'll come back next year with heightened expectations, and maybe they'll be ready for those. Maybe they won't, but there's kind of like a, a, a nervousness and an angst that comes with that. Right now, you're playing with house money, and you have a likable team that gets after it on a nightly basis, and will probably be in that 500 range the rest of the way. Just, like, bask in that glow for a minute. So think about who else. Who's like that from last year to this year? Yeah. Think of another team. Yeah, the, the Knicks. Knicks. Absolutely. The Knicks. Last Bing year, bong. everyone's going crazy. Madison Square Garden. Now people are freaking out. Yeah. And I, I don't get paid by the word, but I have not seen you for a while, yeah. and, I, and I know my time is up, but no. I'm still going to no. jam this in there. By the way, Michigan over Ohio State. Woo! I know it's not, oh. Yes, sir. I got to tell you, best day of my life. Yes, sir. Don't tell my wife because I have two kids, but <laughs> Michigan finally beating Ohio State. 
I cried. Yes. I was so happy. They have pounded us for so Georgia long. Georgia game didn't even matter. I don't even care about they Georgia. It didn't even matter. No. Nope. I heard house yep. money. I'm just thinking go yep. blue. Okay, house I'm sorry. I don't, we'll get back to basketball. I just Absolutely. had to throw that in there. Yes. That just well enjoy the moment. Yes. And yes. I did. Yes. Absolutely. Follow Steve. Listen to Steve. Hey, thank you for everyone who came out. Whether you're here for the show or not, we appreciate you being at Tuttle's.